Boom. There we go. Genesis Q&A. Also, pretzels. These are pork rinds, but I just tried one. And it was super hard. So I was like, but it was tied all close to each other. It was like tightly bound. Um, yeah, so questions on Genesis. Uh, yeah, hopefully this can be a fun, exciting time. I was going to read just like the beginning because you did have a bunch of questions just on the first yeah. words, yeah. <laughs> which is great. Uh, so Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and was void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Uh, one and two. There you go. And so your first question was, what was your? Well, like, uh, I wanted you to, hit, if you could define better the heavens and the earth. I, mean, I, want, <laughs> that, I want, like, a big dichotomy there, you know? A big dichotomy. Yeah. It's, that is a good question. Uh, totally should have talked about that in the sermon. But, yeah, it's pretty, so it could, like, this is just, like, an interesting translation thing. So there's a lot of words that um, the translations almost become sacred or holy cows, you know, mm-hmm. like, sacred cows kind of thing of, like, well, this, these are the words that we use, even though, like, the way translations operate is, like, Hebrew is an ancient language uh canaanite language there's a bunch of other adjacent languages to it from you know like thousands of years ago and what scholars do is they look at all of the different writings from all of that period and they begin to figure out what words actually mean and then the more uh copies and manuscripts and the older manuscripts we have the more we begin to like learn and grow in our understanding of the language itself but when they're translating the bible like during King James's reign, King James the first, there was so much less than that. Basically, they were taking like the Latin Vulgate, which was like, uh, who translated that? Jerome. Jerome. Uh, And then kind of looking at some Greek and some Hebrew, but just trying, and it was, it's pretty spectacular, like the way they were able to translate the King Mm. James version of the Bible into English. It's like amazing how close and how solid it was. But some of the words, like heavens and the earth, is one of those that's like, ah, oh, like, there's a better translation for that. We all know there's a better translation for that. But we're kind of bought into, because you memorize it, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's a really long way to say. It should be God created the skies yeah. and the earth. So we think of heaven as you know, like Dante's Inferno of like, there's layers to heaven, layers to hell, um, and like gold gates and floating clouds. And it's like, oh, so in the beginning, God created the heavens, like the gold palace place, and then matter. Um, it's kind of, I think the Western mind's way of putting it, but it's really God created like the stars. This, yeah, so basically everything below the feet and everything above the feet. Yeah, like separated it. Yeah, and he, yeah. Kind exactly. of just like you separated the land and the water. Right. Is that kind of a way to think about it? Well, I think it's, it's more of this catch-all phrase because the heavens and the earth comes out throughout the Old Testament. So like um, all through the Psalms, prophets use it all the time. It's just this phrase basically to say everything below you and everything above you belongs to God and is God and he made it and all of that. So it's just this 
all the things. And so, yeah, we might say God created the cosmos uh, and God created the, the earth, but also earth just means like the land and the dirt, not like planet earth. Um, so heaven and the angels were already there. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's a really fascinating question. So, yeah, you would think uh, pre-existent, you know, God. So and There's a story before this. There, there, <laughs> there could be a prequel. Yeah, there is. There definitely could be a prequel. There could be a Samarillion or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, and, there, and it is largely unknown. The other interesting thing is that Job is actually the oldest book of the Bible. Huh? Job. Job. Yeah. <laughs> Job. Uh, it's funny. All I knew about Job was from Mission Impossible 1 for like the longest time. Because it's, uh, it's like this key part of the plot. Um, but Job, I don't know. I find this interesting. Job is the oldest book of the Bible. Um, likely. Um, as in written. As written. Yeah. So before there was the book of Genesis, Exodus, you know, there was this book of Job. Um, also written by Moses, right? Or? So like unattributed. Yeah. Nobody knows even like where it came from. But probably not Moses. Not Moses. Yeah. It'd be like. He wrote Genesis and Exodus and stuff, right? Yeah. The Genesis, Torah. Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, uh, and Deuteronomy. Um, Everything except for, like, the last paragraph of Deuteronomy is probably Moses' writing. Uh, but it's, it is, like, if you ever want to, uh, <laughs> like, the last... Most people know Job for um, the story, like, he loses everything. Yeah. And, well, it begins with almost like a, like a play. Like, God is there. Uh, Satan comes in and is like... People only worship you, like, Job is only worship. people only do stuff for you, because if they do, God is going to, like, you know, you're going to take care of them. They're only blessing you, they're only worshiping you, because uh, their life is good. But they won't do it if their life goes bad. And so then it's just like, well, let's you choose anybody, we'll make their life bad, and see if they worship me. Um, and Satan got to choose, right? Yeah, it's like, fine, let's do Job. So Job's like... You think you'd be like the most likely, who's the most <laughs> yeah. likely. Let's, let's, uh, let's get it going. Um, but what's fascinating is, so there's the back and forth and everything like that. But then the last, like the bulk of Job, which is actually a long book, is just about this expansive like nature of God and like what he has made, how he operates, that his ways are completely foreign to our ways, like... We can't fathom any aspect, like what we can fathom about God's character. So, so small. There's so much more. Anyway, that's a long answer to say. I'm sure there's a lot before Genesis 1. Yeah. Um, God existed, you know. Um, and, And even like core to the nature of God through scripture is that God exists and he's to be worshiped. And so the idea of like, angelic beings worshiping him him getting adored receiving glory would be i think that's in the realm of logical logical to assume right. but there's no like ah oh, it says this in this verse in the bible yeah
which is, we were talking about that before you came. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's like, oh, it says this in the Bible. And then there's the like, well, if you piece this, this, and this, and this together, there's an answer, which is... There's an answer that fits. Yeah, but I want to die for that answer. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I would... <laughs> yeah, the die for. So there's things to die for. There's things to uh, decide for. So it's like, oh, you kind of have to choose. You can't believe everything. Um, then there's things to divide for. It's like, oh, we disagree and we can't like worship together. Anymore. Yeah. Or we can't like, you know, it's one of those things like we can't really functionally like be in the same church because you believe a completely different thing. So if like, so like somebody's like, oh, I believe that we're not supposed to have instruments. And someone's like, oh, I believe we're supposed to have instruments. It's like, oh, well, those two groups, you're going to. We should speak in tongues. You know, it's like, oh, you're going to have a hard time coexisting or whatever. And then there's things just to, like, discuss. It's like, oh, that's, that's just fun to think about. And so... And Brad calls that pipe and beer. Yeah, that's why I call it pipe and beer. Right. Like, let's go to the pub and, like, <laughs> what do you think about... And I had a professor who called it pipe and beer first, who... Uh, he was like, the goal is to have as few things as possible to die for. All right. You know, like, and then to properly allocate everything else and a lot and like definitely don't lose friends and not worship over things that you are just fun to discuss, you know, which would probably be like in the end, like that music example would be like, oh, we should just, we should just talk about that and be like, then mutually submit to each other of like, that's cool. If you don't like instruments, like. I still like you, and I still think you're worshiping God, and I'm still worshiping God, and it's going to all work out, you know? So, anyway, that's a long, long answer, but what's your other, what, any other questions that that brings up, or you still, you had more, you had something about lasers. Yeah, I, I went deep into, <laughs> uh, like, I, want, I always want to tie the Big Bang into it. Yeah. You know, and, like, I always, me and my mom used to have the discussion that, like, in the beginning, let there be light, and that was, like, God. You know, mm. so I inject that wherever I can. Yeah. And, um, but I did like, what in the heavens are the heavens? You know, I was kind of hoping for. <laughs> oh, that that would be part of the light. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But then I, I always get stuck on Enoch too. He's like my favorite character. In the Bible? He's, he's pretty like mysterious. Why do you like, yeah. Do you like the mystery of Enoch? It's just like, yeah, like, why was he chosen? What was so special about Enoch? Yeah. Do you know? I mean, we can... That's a good question. I'm down for that. Uh, we, can, we can read it. Uh, it's Enoch 5, right? Um, 21. It says, When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Which big, big, like, your mama joke. Uh, I was was like, ah, that's where that's from. Uh, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years, sorry, and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Uh, Yeah, there it is. He was not, for God took him. Yeah. special. Yeah, and then it also, then he comes up again in Hebrews, uh, which, so, another fun 
fun factoid is that alongside the Bible uh, is like, you know, the, the Hebrew faith, like before Christianity, tons and tons of centuries, tons of different circumstances. Uh, you have tons of rabbis and teachers instructing their kids on like, this is what the Bible says and what it means. And so anyway, that's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot more there. Not the Bible, but it is like some fan fiction. Uh, I mean, it's like the Talmud. The Talmud, which is like the. It's it's like if you had like all the criticism. all the preaching notes, yeah. you know, or like the commentary. So like scholarly commentary, but it's like really, By really extent, old and like edition, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like the deleted scenes. The deleted scenes, the director's cut, kind of, but it's. Like, you can't hold it as the same as the Bible, but it's up there. Um, he, uh, Enoch and Hebrews. God was pleased with him. Is that in, uh, is that in 11? I thought so. But Hebrew is definitely, like, drawing from tons of the Talmud. That's why I brought it up, um, to give some context there. Let me see. In what way? Um, so like the, it talks a lot about Melchizedek, mm-hmm. uh, which is another fun story. All right. If you want to move on from Enoch to another interesting, Melchizedek is priest. the priest king who meets Abraham, uh, whole like back and forth story just a couple times. But then in Hebrews, it just talks about how Jesus is the... He's the real, true Melchizedek. And um, that's because in the, in the Talmud, it spends tons of time talking about who is that? Who is that guy? What did he mean? And that it, he was like the conjoining of this even like deep hope of there being a king and a priest, someone who like communicated who God was, but was also like ruling. Um, and... One of the interesting things about the Talmud is almost like what we're doing tonight is like asking all these questions and whatnot. Um, is there's a lot on all the confusing parts. Mm-hmm. So, so it's probably like the Hebrew writer grew up, the writer of Hebrews grew up as a Jewish kid um, who would have been taught by rabbis, would have memorized the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, would have like poured over, heard all of those instructions, like known all of that, and then was connecting all these dots from like the Hebrew culture, um, which that really is like the faith, then the extra culture around it um, through all of these, you know, artifacts and documents. And then is like, actually, it's all Jesus all the way, um, which is exciting, I think. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, what does it say about Enoch here? Sorry. Oh, it is 11.5. There we go. Um, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Uh, and without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Um, 
Yeah. So anyway, the whole thing about not being found uh-huh. makes Enoch like a murder mystery. Yeah. In my mind. Right. Which I think that's where um, we couldn't find him. So. <laughs> so obviously God. Took so him. God just took him, and he <laughs> took, and it and it went away. Yeah. This guy just disappeared, and I mean, there's great artwork, right? Of Enoch walking into the clouds and, and disappearing, <laughs> which is you know from like. Ancient cultures all the way through. You know, of Michelangelo. Fire. That's what I always heard. You get the yeah. chariot of fire. Yeah. But <laughs> I would say, um, I mean, amazing, fascinating character. But what we see in Hebrews 11, you know, he pleased God. How did he please God? He had faith and he was seeking him. I think what stands out, um, because it then goes... Uh, you know, this is a genealogy of getting closer and closer to Noah, basically. But in the very middle of the genealogy is this guy, Enoch, who actually did seek and want to know God and like walked with God, even in the midst of basically, you know, human, human decay. I'm doing this it's like a downward spiral from Genesis three. They're like, we want to know good and evil. You know, we experience shame. We blame one another. So is he like the first person to be saved? Oh, that's a great question. I, <laughs> I don't know. I think... Adam and Eve aren't getting it. I think that... I mean, this. so now we're just in the realm of what I think. Right. So I think that Enoch was someone who sought God and who loved God. Um, and that was in the midst of just like cyclical, terrible generations of sin and evil and so god does just like you're pleasing to me i'm gonna take you and put you in my kingdom right now and it's like and so sometimes we get tripped up like but like but the rules are you know you've got to tell jesus you know uh you can't be saved until jesus comes you can't be saved until there's a law and you obey the law, and there's no Enoch doesn't do any sacrifices or anything like that. And I just basically come down to like, well, God can do like whatever he wants. And he's like, I love this guy. This guy loves me. He's pursuing me. Yeah. Do you know Enoch? He's a great guy. Um, and he's like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take him. He's not gonna go through, through death, um, because he's seeking me. And putting faith in me, which is the point that the writer of Hebrews is making, is the need to have faith to be saved, um, which is, yeah, in Hebrews 11, over and over, like, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Um, it's not that Abraham obeyed that he saved, it was by faith. And then Enoch is also, it's his faith and his trust, his seeking of God, that's what pleased him in pleasing God, God. God saves him and he doesn't know. He doesn't know death. Yeah. And my third one was like, everybody lives so long. I mean, what's going on back then? <laughs> like really good vegetarians? <laughs> there is a lot of that theory. I was, also thinking, I was also thinking maybe it was uh, the lunar cycle. You know, it's like those, if every moon was a year. Right. That math kind of lines up better to like living to 60. Mm, how many, like, cause there's four lunar there cycles like, in a year? Like, like 800 years? It's like, yeah. oh man. Yeah, well, like, yeah, Methuselah, 969 years and then died. It's about 70. Yeah. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, so there's all sorts. I don't know. So that's my answer. Yeah. That's my short answer. There's some, like, there's the lunar year thing. There's the, like, well, they were healthier back then thing. Um, I would only say that, um, just, like, Bible-wise, what's interesting is how um, it's after uh, Cain, or uh, the Tower of Babel, right? Where he's like, and now I'm not going to let them get very old anymore. Yeah, actually um, says those words, right? Yeah, hmm. exactly. Um, These guys are getting too wise. Who? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's in... Sorry, I should have done, you know... I should just know everything. Uh, it's in... Is it... It's got to be before Abram. I don't know. We can just Google that. Yeah, you just Google it and find it. But basically, there's this point where God's like, I'm going to shorten their days, and people are not going to just keep living all of this time. And that's the only thing that, for me, it's like... 6-3. 6-3, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. What's it say? It says, then the Lord said... Uh, well, it's like, when man began to multiply on the face of the land and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive and they took took them as their wives, any they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. Um, and then way more, way more stuff. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards when the sons of God came to the daughters of men and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Um, nice, we just got into another one. Yeah. But I do think there's something to the age that it's building up. All these people are living for a really long time. Um, and... Yeah, in my little, like, on the, on my degree of, it's way closer to pipe and beer. All right. <laughs> All right. But I think that um, God was really, like, in this part of the story, like, I'm going to have these people live for a long time, and I'm going to pursue, pursue them. Like, that's my little, like, he's going to try to, to know them, to be like, to interact with them. Genesis um, has a whole chapter on that, right? Of just genealogy. Well, that's, like, yeah. Well, well, that's where Enoch comes in, is he's a big, he's a genealogy. But they never five. get down to, like, he only lived 100 years, and then he only lived 90. Years. Well, they do. So, um, well, I guess this doesn't straight up get to that. But um, Shem's descendants, like the kids of uh, Noah, they're getting less and less. Um, so Nahor lived 29 years he fathered Terah and Nahor lived after he fathered Terah 119 years and had other sons and daughters so I guess that's kind of interesting so it says it in 6.3 he's going to limit yeah. to 120 but then even yeah like Noah's son lived to be 205 and that was even post flood mm-hmm. the earth I, 
was now in color. Earth has inherently changed after the flood. Yeah, well, that's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah, pre-flood was black and white. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like when you're a kid. I mean, there's also just like, oh, maybe they were just numbering weird. But I, th- I think it is important to know that, like, it's not like you know, the Bible was, you know, like Seth, one of the descendants, right, wrote his sentence. I live to be 105. And then the next person comes along, Enosh. Oh, "Oh, this is how long (laughs) he lived. It's like, it was actually, this is long after the fact, this is written. So, because some people are like, oh, maybe they were confused about how so years Moses, worked. It's like Moses knew how years worked for Moses sure. Just did this, maybe. <laughs> it's like he was. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Probably maybe it's like. I would say it, ju- it has to be spirit. Yeah. The spirit, right? Because this yeah. Is, he's, he wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Except that might start this whole journey of, um, you know, deep within. Like, I keep saying Hebrew because it's Old Testament, but, like, the Hebrew Bible is this profound belief that every day, every year, every aspect of your life is determined and placed and, like, exists only in God. And so, like, um, like the Proverbs talk about that, the Psalms talk about it, um, like, to number your days and, you know, and, and that your days are numbered. And so... And he's preordained how long you're going to live and those things. So I think Forrest Gump talked about that too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, I don't know if Dan got it right or Mama's got it right. But <laughs> it's about destiny. It of. is. Yeah. And so I do think, I think there could be something there, but no real great answer. That's Forrest Gump thought it was a little bit of both. <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> Maybe they're both right. Maybe they're both right. It's that. Uh, it's probably option C. One day, God. But I, yeah, my like inclination is like, I think God's like, I don't know, wanting to pursue these people after the fall. And then it was like, ah, we gotta, or fill the earth, you know, with lots and lots of people. So, theory. Tell me, what about the Nephilim? The Nephilim. Are y'all to that in here? You were cheering about the Nephilim. What, uh, what was that? I'm unfamiliar. What's really interesting? Oh, it's, he, he already read it, the, the Genesis yeah. 6. Yeah. Where it says sons of God mm-hmm. and daughters of man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so that was another uh, Genesis. Are we all the products of incest? Uh, <laughs> I mean, we could get there in a second. So, uh, yeah, 6. When man began to multiply on the face of the land... And daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive, and they took them as their wives, uh, any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for his flesh. His days shall be 120. And then he says, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and were born children to and bore children to them. Uh, they were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Um, yeah. So, some of it's like, who, so yes. Who are these Nephilim? Yeah, who are the Nephilim? Um, one is also these sons of God, are they like 
demons or fallen angels are these different types of humans uh like different like there's Neanderthal or or like demigod kind of thing like angelic humans or angels impregnating uh human women uh and then they produce this thing called the nephilim um yeah which is you know no real great greek mythology yeah um (laughs) yeah um yeah is it like a greek mythology (laughs) yeah i mean there's i mean there's tons of like wise people that that totally disagree uh yeah i think one option is oh it was that and then they get killed by the flood um because the flood happens like right after this so that that could be part of it um these like um maybe it is that uh another view is um he's talking about the sons of god are like men like you know like Sons of God, daughters of, you know, sons of Adam, daughters of Eve, C.S. Lewis style. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, these are, these are just people. people. These are people uh, that, that God made. Um, and they're having, you know, men and women are getting married, finding each other attractive, having children, um, you know, because they want to. Uh, that's like another view. And then this whole Nephilim is actually not like a, a bad, crazy, evil, evil time. But just like in those days, there were people, there were, there were great, great men. Like, cause that's really what the, the word means. Like Numenorians? What's that? What's a Numenorian? From, from Tolkien? Oh, I don't, I haven't actually read the Samarillion. Is that what that's in? Yeah, but I mean like Aragorn is descended from... Oh, like a, yeah. Numenor, like a, right? Numenor was like the kingdom in the sea. <laughs> nice. That when they, one of their kings tried to sail west into Valinor, which is where like heaven was, they sunk it. But some of them escaped to Middle-earth, right? And that was the, the realm of Gondor, right? Oh. The, the greater realm. Wow. And then the king, right? The great line of the kings. Yeah. It's from that. Because they lived, that's why Aragorn lived so long. Oh. So like great men. Like great men, yeah. And I think that that's like, um, yeah, because some people like, oh, they were like, yeah, the Nephilim, maybe they were like demonic, half, half-breeded people. Um, I'm more of like, oh, no, I think that in those days, they're really, like this phrase, they were mighty men who were of old, like, back before any of this, they were mighty men. They were men of great renown. Like, people knew them. And they were, they were famous. They were famous good. They were good guys. Because verse 5, um, like, is a big shift. Um, the Lord saw that the wickedness of men was great on the earth, and that every intention of their thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had ever made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I'll blot them out, whom I've created from the face of the land, and man and animals and creeping things and the birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Um, Yeah, so my, like, my interpretation would be, 
Noah was one of those men of great renown. Like, oh, he was like, there was a good one. Um, because they were from old. Like, there, was, there were times throughout. Like, Enoch. Enoch was a man who, like, knew God and, like, walked with God. And um, there were these good people. Or Abel. Like, Abel pleased God and, like, um, God loved his offering. So, um, so there's a juxtaposition of there's wickedness happening. Um, there were people of great renown. Uh, but then God is like, I'm really... Is that called like, still where the sorry. kings and queens come from? Like, the lineage? Or, the lineage of like the... Yeah. Like they say like Jesus was from King David, right? Right. Like, the straight, yeah. So yeah, it could be something like that. Yeah. Um, and it all seems to come down from uh, like Jacob, right? Like everybody likes Jacob's sons. Like, right. Well, yeah. The, well then, yeah, in Genesis... Um, Only twelve can touch the uh, the Ark of the Covenant and it had to be like the Levi's, right? Right. Like that was one of Jacob's family sons, heritage you know? for sure. Yeah. Well, that's the story changes a ton in Genesis twelve, so it goes zooms way in on just this one family, right. Abraham and Sarah. And so, so in light of all that, mm-hmm. kind of the question like you said we were talking about earlier we have to pause and assess how we're even approaching the Bible because mm-hmm. we approach it so differently for, mm-hmm. from the intent it was written. Like, what would, what would maybe be some of the thoughts of, like, what is the intent of that paragraph? The intent, yeah. I think that it's, um, I think through, like, from Genesis 3 on, at Genesis 3 to 11, so you have, like, these big things. Cain and Abel uh, happens where he kills his brother. Uh, then you have uh, the flood, and then you also have um, the Tower of Babel. I think that the intent is to show, oh, that, like, God is still pursuing and still involved uh, in each one of these tragedies, but also... Um, God uh, is still finding men and women of like favor uh, or of um, like worthy like there's a remnant within humanity that like he talks about Noah was a righteous and, and blameless man you know is the next line after I read or after I stopped and so I would think that the intent was if you think about uh, the people of Israel, why would they need to know that story as they're becoming um, truly like God's tribe and God's family in the desert? I think it's so that they would know who their God is, that their God is someone who constantly like pursues and is in control. And also a God who really, who really knows and like looks even into the, to the heart of, of men. So I think when it says like, Every intention of their thoughts, this is 6, 5, uh, was only evil continually. Uh, I think the purpose there is like God knows what's going on in people's hearts. Like he knows this isn't just body service of like they, they do the right motions. So that's good. But it, and it's not even like what grieves God 
it is the wickedness of was great on the earth, but also that their hearts and that their intentions were constantly evil. So it's like he sees their hearts. But then there's a juxtaposition with that and that he knows the heart of Noah. He also knows the heart of these Nephilim who are men of great renown and who, you know, all of that. Um, and just like with Enoch, you know, please him, God, God wanted him. So I think that's what, I don't know, as you think about these people who have the commands, like the Ten Commandments, and they're trying to like figure out what to do. Uh, and how to live and how to follow God and be faithful. I think there's there's these big signposts of like, oh, what he's looking for is not just obedience, like blanket obedience. He's also looking for obedience plus trust or obedience plus relationship or obedience plus um, like faithfulness and knowing God. So um, not just do the right things. It includes be obedient. Um, so I had a, yeah, my, that same professor, pipe and beer person is like, oh, Genesis is, there's, there's a singular message through all of Genesis. If you, every story is basically God is looking for humans that will trust him and obey him. That's all he's looking for. Uh, and that's what he made us to do is to trust him and obey him. And uh, it's a story of Sometimes humans do that, and sometimes they don't. Uh, and then within the larger story, it's, um, it's really powerful, because then Jesus is the only, like, trusts and obeys God the Father. Uh, and he dies so that all of us can be declared, like Noah, to be righteous and blameless. Like, as if we've trusted and we've obeyed the whole time. Like, that's what the righteousness thing is. It's like, oh... Because of Jesus' death, his resurrection for us, we get to be called right, which means we trust. We trust and then we obey. Even though we haven't, the whole time we've distrusted God, we thought he was withholding. We did our own stuff. We didn't obey. Our hearts towards God were sometimes pretty like middle finger up in the air. But because Jesus' death and resurrection is given to us, and we get to be declared, oh, you've trusted and obeyed all the time. Which is kind of kind of dope, <laughs> but that's what I don't know. That's what I would think. Not even like a little Easter egg. He's just like, yeah, dropping them out, you know. Um, yeah, and I think it kind of protects us. So I do think there's a kind of I don't even there's a common kind of teaching or view that is after the fall or the rebellion in Genesis 3, all people are awful always 100% of the time. And I think that the Bible is a little bit more nuanced than that. Yeah. So, like, everybody's hard on Cain, right? Killed yeah. Definitely shouldn't have killed yeah. your mother, right? Yeah. But they make it feel like his sacrifices that he was bringing to uh, weren't good enough. Right? <laughs> totally. Like he's a farmer. That's what he has yeah. to give. You know, that's like yeah. telling, like, oh wait, but here I'm gonna bring you the best animal. Yeah, like, look at that. How about that for a sacrifice? Right. And my brother. <laughs> Here's my brother. I mean, I do think that that's. I mean, that you kind of nailed some of what people feel about that passage. Is that Cain's 
Cain kills Abel, and it's like, here's a sacrifice for you, for sure. Yeah. Like, was Cain completely bad? You know, I mean, do you see why he did it? I mean, yeah, I think that's... Why has God got a guilt trip? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's... So, my dad is actually coming to preach that passage. So, I won't steal his thunder. <laughs> uh, but... Um, I think that the the deal with Cain um, is that same thing of like looking to his heart. Um, and I think that, so I have no idea if this is what my dad will say, but uh, like we can read part of it. Reading the Bible. So is that cool? Yeah. So the part two is like, my yeah. brother is so much better. So all right, take him out. Well, it, so it doesn't, it, it doesn't say all that, but so you always loved him better. Sometimes in the Sunday school versions, it is, and then it's like, oh, so be nice to your brother. It's like moral of the story, but I think it's so. It says now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, "I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord." And again, she bore another brother, Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Um, and then he, you know, says, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. I'm not my brother's keeper. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Um, and I'm going to stop there because it'll open more cans of fun stuff. But to your incest question. Uh, I think that I don't know why Cain doesn't get regard for the offering. So it's like Cain, his whole name is, you know, slandered through all of Well, for, well, his name means like, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Like that's okay. what he's, I'm born from the help of the Lord. Like that's his name. Like that's who he is. Uh, he has a little brother. Uh, there's no inference in the whole of scripture that like being a farmer is bad. Like, there's no, like, oh, farmers are bad. You know, you got to be a rancher. Rancher's good, <laughs> farmer's bad. Like, there's nothing there. Um, except that I think even the passages I was reading before about God looking into the heart and knowing the intentions of people. And then what God does as soon as it, like, God pursues him. You know, Cain was really angry. His face fell. And the Lord goes to him and says, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? Uh, and then there's some sort of like 
implied parts. If you do well, will you not be accepted? So there's some part of like, he didn't do well, well, and he knew what it was to do well. Uh, I don't think it was a mystery for Cain, but I think the, the purpose is more so like that God knows his heart, but also God's pursuing him and God is telling him like what to do. It's like, if you refuse to do what's well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. Sin will consume you uh, and you need to rule over sin instead of it ruling over you. Um, but then on, then obviously he's like, no, I'm gonna, you know, anger and wrath and sin. And he takes it into his own hand and kills him. And then we can kind of guess maybe like, why did he do that? Like, we don't really know. Um, but we do know that like God curses him, um, again. So he's like double curse cause he had the curse before. Wasn't it like the land of Canaan's like named after him, right? Like, like descendants of Cain were supposed to be like super bad. I heard. Well, yeah. So it's like yeah. That, there's like tons there through the whole Old Testament, but yeah. So then he, you know, basically becomes a fugitive and a wanderer. I would say the interesting bit is, and I'm not saying this is. I. I mean, I think. This is a true story. But what's interesting is Moses' life. Like to think about this passage in the lens of Moses' life. So Moses, you know, was kind of a privileged, saved child, like a special child. He didn't die when he was supposed to die. Um, And he was raised in the palace. But for Moses, he sees some of his countrymen being like beaten and abused by a slave driver. And he goes... And he, like, sticks up for, you know, his people and kills the slave driver. Like, he gets so angry, he kills him, you know. Then the next day, he comes out, and he's, like, yelling at him. I was like, what are you going to do? You're going to kill us like you killed that other guy? And then Moses becomes a fugitive. He's a murderer? Mm-hmm. Moses, yeah. Mm-hmm. Murderer. Who's so, Moses killed? Uh, like a slave driver. Yeah, it's like the Prince of Egypt. Yeah, you should watch Prince of Egypt. It's really good. not kill, man. The music in Prince of Egypt is incredible. Uh, Just like Paul. Paul is a terrorist. Yeah. So I think if you think about... So then he was a fugitive for 40 years in the desert. Moses was. Um, Yeah, he ran away. He ran away. Protected his life. Yeah. And he was a fugitive. And, you know... Which I just think is... That story and this story kind of layered on top of each other. I do think... There's some, like, yeah, Moses was trying to make freedom happen for the people through death. And it was not what, it was like, not like, that wasn't the thing that sparked some sort of like slave revolt that freed the the Israelites. Um, Instead, it was God later being like, calling him through the bush into like what he was going to do, like through... Moses and Aaron and Miriam. And so I think that there's, I think there's like a piece to that of like Cain and his anger and sin welling up in him and him trying to like take good and evil into his own hands. So like the same that Adam and Eve, their temptation was, oh, I want to be wise like God. I'm going to eat the fruit and I'll know good and evil. 
And then you have Cain basically deciding, I know what's good and right. Even though God's saying, do what's right. He's like, I know what's good and right. I'm going to kill my brother. Because <laughs> I get to decide. Just like Moses is like, I know what's right. And I know what's the way to like... Like my sacrifice? Yeah, exactly. I know how to like make freedom happen. And it's like, oh, you actually... I can kill them. You don't. You're not trusting. You're not obeying. You know? I mean, one thing you read that I don't think I've noticed before, right, is Cain's offering wasn't given a descriptor. It just a, I mean, what's it say? It's just an offering of the land or something. Yeah. Offering of the fruit of the ground. The descriptor of Abel's was first fruit, or first, firstborn. And it says something else. And of their fat portions. Right. Which is like, <laughs> he, the the, he gave them the money parts, the prime rate. I think it is intentionally not stating that about the... Yeah. It didn't say his first fruits of his yeah. harvest, or... I don't think I've caught that before, so... Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's how I always read it. Like, one was, one was superior because of the intention behind it. Yeah. So now I'm interested in uh, Jesus' incest question. <laughs> yeah, are we all the product? I mean, so... Are there other humans around? Uh, this is definitely... This is definitely in the realm of, like... Like, Miral and I, my wife, we had a long conversation about it a couple nights. On Friday night before I preached Genesis 2 last week. Uh, we talked for like two hours about it. So, uh, so I'll give you what I think, but I'm not saying like it's a doctrine, okay? So in Genesis 1, it says, God created man in his image, male and female, he created them. Genesis 1 is like this whole, the, the world is created at that point. Like, whether it's six days, evolutionary theory, whatever, End of Genesis 1, or 2, 3, the world's over. It's created, locked in. There's men and women are made, right? Genesis 2, though, then is like, here's the generations of the people uh, when the earth was being created. And then, it make, then it's like God cultivates and makes a garden, like a, new, like a place. And so sometimes people are like, oh, this is just like a... A zoomed-in version of chapter one. It's the same story, mm. but a different way. But it's actually, it's, it can't be. So, because the order of created things is super different. So, he makes man uh, on a different day than he makes woman. Uh, he pulls, uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, you can read it. But the Lord, uh, he makes the rivers first. Uh, and he separates the ground. Uh, he breathes life into him. And then out of the ground, he brings trees. Uh, and then out of the ground later, he brings rivers. Then out of the ground, he brings animals to help him. So it's opposite of the creation. Yeah, because so if you look in Genesis 1, it's like, well, no, there's the, yeah, the, the, the waters happen and the seas. Then there's plants. Then there's animals. Then there's Adam and Eve. Then there's the day of rest. That's not what happens in Genesis 2. God, 
making yourself. So he's not. He's making, this is a, what I would say is like, this is a particular creation or within the world. The world is already made and he's, and he's making a garden, a place. Uh, so this is probably the part where I'll get excommunicated. I think he creates, uh, he creates Adam and Eve um, in that garden with that place, communing with him. And I think there might have been people outside of the garden, like right. somewhere else already. Yeah. And so there's a huge book that was just written by this professor, it's a great Carl, uh, who's like, uh, he, he always finds these like random pipe and beer topics and then writes super thick books on them. But, uh, and he, so he's basically studied all of these, you know, proto-human Neanderthal, like people and like the dating of them and. Where are they from and how are they created? And like, um, and so, yeah, it could be like, oh, there were like lots of other humans. We are not products of incest. Yeah. So I think that like, I think uh, that Cain goes to, and I think that's part of the, the garden is this place that's protected and it's a place where it's a garden and, and it's a, and it's a true reality of man and woman, uh, Adam and Eve, living in that place with God. And then the burden of having to leave that place and leave that protection and wander away. We are all sons yeah. of Cain, technically. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, so, I mean, but, but it's Eden. definitely in the realm of like, who knows? I mean, I would think there's clearly other people. And there's clearly another group of people that he created that were not from Cain and Abel. Because at this point in the story, in Genesis 4, based off of the Garden of Eden story, there is only Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. And then Abel is killed, so there's just Adam and Eve and Cain. But then he's going to leave the land, and he's going to get married, and he's going to have kids. Uh, and he's going to have a child. Garden and, of Eden sound like a pretty awesome place, though, right? They always like described it as being like yeah. I mean, it sounds really amazing. Was it supernatural though? Didn't they? They're like, I thought there was elements of it that were like beyond Earth. I mean, sometimes people, but the Bible doesn't say that. Which yeah. made it uh, so that people like it was really like people have been trying to find the Garden right. of Eden. Yeah. Like, like uh, Indiana Jones style. And it gives it like really good like geometric markers like, it's between these couple rivers. It's like right Oh, there. I mean, what he's describing? Yeah, like we can Like find where that is, is like... Could we find the... Every... <laughs> well, I don't think you can, but there was clearly a very lush, vibrant, uh, like fertile... Wasn't it also like valleys uh, in Saudi Arabia and right. Iran and Iraq, right? Like the Arabian Peninsula, where all of our oil comes from today. Right. Oh, all right. Like where the oil was is, you know, I don't know. Like, it's not a super scientific person, but what I know of oil is it's decayed organic material. A lush. Like yeah. from trees and all of that stuff. Where does, like, it's kind of 
wild, but like mm. he's described what he's describing is in modern day Iraq, yeah, mm. and Kuwait, and yeah. also uh, so it's like eh. were they thrown it's out of it? Change. Like <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some sort of climate climate change, but it's like ah, oh, there there definitely was a. There was a garden next to the Euphrates and the Tigris, um, for sure. Adam and Eve were, like, thrown out of it, right? And they were forbidden to go back into... Right. Um, yeah. So I think that's why people are always trying to chase it down, because it's, like, the, the angels... Right, guarding it. No, yeah. there's, like... So I'll get in there. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to bring back it. Yeah. I mean, it could be something like that. But only, like, two of those rivers, like, continue to exist, right? Because there's, like, two other ones that are mentioned, but that yeah. we don't know about. Yeah. Did they disappear in the flood or? Uh, that's a really, yeah. So it's like, we know the Euphrates and the Tigris, but then we don't know the Pishon and the Hevila or, um, Kush. What's the river that goes through Kush? Gihon. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, there's like general ideas of maybe it was there, but then it dried up. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Or maybe it merged, or it's a tribute, yeah. But, but then the incest question really has to be answered post-Noah. Good, yeah. If Again. If Again. If it, if You're it right covered, back to... If it covered the whole earth, right? Uh-huh, for sure. Because well, it says the whole earth, right? Yeah, Can I mean, I guess it's just degrees we of incest, they, I guess. Because it's like... Does mean they're already married, or...? Well, they were... Well, so Noah got to bring his sons and daughters-in-law. Um, so... So it'd be like, so it'd be like what's cousin what's about incest. What's the question yeah. of incest? But I mean, in theory, right? If the Bible says that the whole earth was covered with water... Yeah. And everyone died, except for those on the earth then I think the corollary to that is yes, everyone on earth today can point back to no, right? Is that a... I know that's not what the Bible says, but that is a logical yeah. conclusion, right? Yeah, if it was a global flood. Yeah. So if it was a global flood. Yeah. So the Hebrew is not clear about whole earth? I mean, it could... Or, no, no, it is. It's like the earth, yeah. But there's a, I mean, that's... Because there's no evidence everywhere on Earth, right? There is evidence in that part of the world, but... Well, I mean, I think the other thing is just, like, the... So now, like, just in the realm of science, like, the amount of water it would take, for example, to submerge the Earth to where the Himalayas aren't poking up. It doesn't exist. Yeah, and that would be... And then, like, where did the water... The receding of the water, like, it's, like, it's impossible for the water to just go outside of our atmosphere, yeah. right? Conservation like, of, of mass. Right. Yeah. So, like, all the water that we have is the water that's always existed, right? Right. Essentially. So, I think that's one of the things that's, like, a little... Like, yeah. So, something that happens throughout the Bible is just, like, great, you know, storytelling. Like, when it's like, and everybody knew. You know, it's like, that's how we talk. And that's that's how stories are told, you know? Like, everybody, it's like, well, no, not, every, not everybody met this person. But it's like, this person was known by a lot of people, right? I think it's, like, pretty... Um, yeah, similar. 
to like, uh, I think the whole known area was flooded. Yeah. And a massive area for sure. Like a, what we would describe now as a flood of biblical proportions. Which I always think is funny. It's okay, like, yeah. Scientifically, that also sounds interesting. <laughs> because, like, in theory, for that to happen, you'd have to be in a, some sort of massive valley. Yeah. Otherwise, massive valley with lots of rivers. Would just continue to. Disperse, yeah. Right? And go to. Right? The inertia. It's right. Like 40 days and 40 nights, right? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, so. I could swim for 40 days. That's the other, that's another funny thing of like, if you took every, uh, you know, it's like if you, all the species of the animal and you put them in an ark and you're like, okay, they can fit. Yeah. <laughs> then you're like, okay, so, and it says that they fed them twice a day. So, but there's eight of them. There's eight people on the ark, humans. So then, no, it would take like a hundred years to feed all the animals. Once, you know, so it's like, I don't know. You lured me here with uh, explaining dinosaurs, I believe. Yeah, so that's when the dinosaurs ate it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say, so my earlier explanation about the difference between Genesis 1 and 2 gets to that answer of like, I think think there might have been humans before Adam and Eve. And I think there might have been uh, definitely, like, a ton of time in there. And there were dinosaurs, yeah. Yeah. I also, I also don't think that the Earth had to be created in six 24-hour days. Well, yeah. before uh, the day, like, you know. So, yeah, it's another one. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's definitely possible there were dinosaurs roaming around. They haven't even created a day yet, so what is time, right? Oh, yeah, what is time? I mean, I think dinosaurs are really cool, though. That's my, that's my answer. Construct. I think... Non-existent. Yeah. But I also, I mean, I think that there's lots of... Have you seen the... Um... Evolutionary holes. I don't think that God created... An old world. The debate between... Bill and then and stuck fossils in the ground. Yeah. So that's the Kenneth... For us to creation. discover them. Yeah. And it's like, I don't... God created those fossils. But maybe, maybe God did do that. I the mean, there's a lot of... Yeah, it just doesn't a, seem like it would be... Yeah. Needed. It's also... But, like, God also created planets and stars and solar systems that we're only now able to see and know that there's way more... And so, yeah, he's, like, totally content with that, Um, which I guess I think does prove that Earth wasn't made. Creation isn't for us. It's for him. Yeah. For the aliens that might visit. That's also, that's my other favorite. (laughs) He's the god of Martians, too. If there are other, you know, worms in Europa. Did God breathe life into other yeah. creatures? Yeah. Or the sentient beings, right? Or other planets, I guess. A lot of times I always say that humans aren't special. Like, you know. Like, I've met dogs that are like more than. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you like dogs more than humans? Like, there's a lot of human, like, dogs I met, like, so I was like, humans aren't that special. 
you know, I've met dogs in it, I think, more than most people. Um, but the Bible really makes us, and kind of, we're, humans are, I think we're kind of destructive, we're like a cancer on the earth, you know. I don't think we're that special, I think we're kind of destructive, and... I think you're special, Jesus. I am special. <laughs> You make me feel special, Chris. <laughs> What's going on over there? Yeah, the Bible's amazing. Yeah. The flood stuff is amazing. And you hit all mine, right? I said, who is God? <laughs> uh, what was life like for the, um, for the early humans? Like, what was life like? Yeah. <laughs> the people of Genesis back then. Um, and, and why was Enoch special? Like, yeah. Do you have any in- insider information? That's my know. insider information. <laughs> I don't have a special. I think you hit all the points. Download. I should have prepared, I looked at this once, because I think it's, so I think... Tim Mackey's, I, I'm sure I'm misquoting him, but I feel like I heard or read something on the Bible Project about this idea because, like, can we talk about, like, God made man in his image, mm-hmm. but, like, what does that mean, and, like, why does that make us, like, I mean, he was kind of joking about it a second ago, but, like, does that make us unique and different? And why does that make us unique and different from the rest of creation? From dogs. From dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Or South Park, where he's a duck-billed platypus looking, and God is Buddhist. Oh, like, (laughs) what does God look like? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably why we can also mess it up so much more, because we have the capacity to do that. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. The capacity to do great harm for no purpose. Yeah. <laughs> like what makes us human? Like what? What makes us distinct and unique? Mm. I mean, besides what we can see today, that we are smarter the and most advanced beings on the earth mm-hmm. most uh, complex most yeah I think I mean biblically it would be he put us in charge of everything that you know plants and animals are supposed to be fruitful and multiply you know so that's like great we also have be fruitful multiply so in that way it's almost like yeah we're just like any other creature um there's nothing special about us we can procreate just like anybody else or any other thing but then i think that the the ability to cultivate and create um and steward the earth is different than all other animals or or a dog like animals can (laughs) dig holes uh you know 
muscles can over time erode a rock, you know, but not like on a purpose, you know, um, beavers can build dams, but like we have this ability to cultivate and steward the earth. And then I would say like humans can know and commune with God. And so it, the Bible describes creation being able to praise God and give God glory. Um, and like, you know, even the rocks would cry out, even the, you know, but not the, the knowing and being known by God. And so I think even like Trinitarian wise, like God, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, knowing and responding and relying and mutual love and communion with one another is what he is like. And then that's what we, we have that ability, which is also then an ability to do great harm. Like the biggest harm we do, I mean, maybe this is an overstatement, but like, you know, there's the nuclear bomb that we've created that has a great capacity of damage. But I don't even think that compares to the amount of like relational human damage that we do to each other all the time. And so the virus, right? Could take us out all out, right? Yeah. The man made coronavirus. <laughs> the, <laughs> could kill us all. The yeah, you could you but even that would be like because even it's like if you sit down with like just one person's life story and all the pain and all the damage that they've received you know, from parents or classmates or just the pain in, in society, life, from any part of the world, you just, like, take their life and their story. And then all the pain that they've then inflicted, and they just describe, like, yeah, and then I, then I said these words that <laughs> cut that parents. person down, you know, and they, they, and you add all that, it's like, that's like a, a nuclear bomb level of, like, destruction. And I think it's, yeah, it's Every like this. person does it. And every person does it. So it's like a Superman thing of like, with great power comes great responsibility. Spider-Man, try again. What did I call it? Superman. Sorry. Spider-Man. He's the one with the crawling in the web. Superman had, uh, he had mommy-daddy issues too, right? Yeah. But I, anyway, I think that, I think that's what, but also humans' capacity to to love and care for and and to build community build relationships with people that are not the same not the biological same like not the oh well we're you know i have to care for this creature because i have this built-in thing of that's how society survives it's like we don't we have that like love for our kids but then we can transcend that to like love for neighbor love for yeah, coworker, person that we've never met before. Like, I would say that's what image of God. Like, you can see earthquake in Syria slash Turkey and be sad and cry about it. It's like, oh, that's like the image of God. Yeah, because you don't know those people. And it's not even, oh, that could have been me. It's like, oh, we know it couldn't have been us. Earthquake like that here, house moves a little, Right. So it's, there's not even like a, it's just, that's human brokenness and suffering and it makes me sad. So that's human too. Image of God. Yeah. They didn't build their houses, right? Uh, no, not that they didn't build their houses, but like, 
So I had a buddy. It's crazy. Uh, There's like that one. Uh, have you seen the shots of the, the day canyon day. that exists now? Mm-hmm. It's why like looks like a national. Was that big? It created like it's huge, a and I part of like yeah, like a fissure in the ground, like hmm. like a quarter of a mile wide. Really? Yeah. Which I don't, you know, whatever was underneath, like yeah. how it collapsed, but from still. that earthquake, from the sound. Yeah. Oh. Really I had a buddy. We were we were driving through LA, and he was um he's like he was afraid to move into these buildings because of the earthquake. Now it brings it all into question. I was like, oh, the new know. earthquake, like yeah, recent. recently, and I was like, ah, shut up, Sean. <laughs> I mean, it could. It's like building code, it'll be fine. Building code. Well. Their estimates for casualties after the big one here is like people getting electrocuted and stuff. Like all the power lines and everything and water and starvation. That's. Like the big SF earthquake was a lot of fires, right? Yeah, it was mostly fire and like gas leaks and. Like the aftereffects. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was fun, y'all. I want to respect y'all's time, but... uh, More questions.